Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 159, being recorded on Sunday, January 6, 2019. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, and Happy New Year, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Jason, am I mistaken, or is that some new music we have there at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Uh, due to overwhelming listener feedback, uh, I finally updated the the intro to the show. It is the same song and the the same announcer, um, but uh, you know, you and I both both had some career accomplishments in the in the last year, and so now there our titles are are updated, and it's you know just kind of refreshed for the year. Yeah. And you, uh, how is the new gig going for anyone that missed, uh, first of all, shame on you if you missed any of our last couple of episodes. Uh, but Jason has a new gig. Let's see if I can remember this chief grand superior digital retail commerce officer. Is that, is that the right title? The, for the second time in a row, you nailed it exactly right. Awesome. I, I, sometimes I drop a word in there, but I think I got them all. Yeah. And in fact, because you mocked that title so much, in the last episode, um, I had a ton of uh, clients with legitimately fancy titles all making fun of me for the for the entire break. So thanks very much for that, Scott. Awesome. It's, maybe that will be everyone's New Year's resolution is to give Jason a hard time about his awesome new title. <laughs> uh, f- uh, four for sure. So much. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, we're post-holidays here. Uh, I think everyone's probably on the edge of their seat. Did you get any cool new gadgets? Yeah, always tough. Um, like in general, there's an extremely narrow gap between my desires and fulfillment. And so uh, like if I got some new gadgets for Christmas, it's most likely because a new gadget came out right before Christmas. <laughs> um, so I will say I did some refreshes. I finally got the the iPad Pro, um, the 10.5, which I think you also have. Uh, I have an unbent version. I've been pretty pretty happy with that and uh because because of the new job uh i i had to trade out laptops and so now i finally have a an all usb-c um ecosystem with the ipad and the the um the laptop so i've uh getting those new gadgets of course cost me thousands of dollars in new adapters and cables and and dongles uh, um, but I guess the one minor little toy I got uh, is a new uh, video camera. Uh, well, a couple new video cameras. Uh, so I got the DJI Osmo Pocket. Um, Ooh, which nice. is, This is a tiny, as in fits like in the palm of your hand. You could you could hide it in your hand. Um, video camera with a, a a fully functioning gimbal on it. So it's pretty cool and has some some uh fun uh, uh features i'm looking forward to taking that uh to these several upcoming trade shows that we'll probably talk about in a minute um so that has been cool and i did a little earlier than christmas uh get the new nikon um mirrorless uh camera system so a nikon uh z6 if you're from europe or or a z6 if you're in the u.s 
Cool. How's the, um, is the mirrorless thing? Can you tell a difference? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Nikon has always had a great reputation for digital still cam- cameras and great, um, image quality and low light capability and, and, uh, color rendering. Uh, they've been extraordinarily horrible at video. Um, and I mostly, I actually need a camera that's, uh, okay at stills and also very good at video. So, uh, the fact that I've always, uh, owned Nikon cameras and have a lot of Nikon lenses has been a constant pain point for me because Nikon has been so far behind on video. And so this, um, the mirrorless cameras in general are much better at video and this, this, uh, Nikon's first mirrorless, uh, uh, full frame camera, uh, really does a pretty good leapfrog, um, for video capabilities in a lot of ways. So it's, it's definitely the best, um, video stills camera I've ever owned. Cool. Well, I know you're off to CES next week and you'll have a lot more gadget news for us. And then you and I are both at the NRF big show. So maybe we'll shoot some video, do a live streaming or something fun like that. I, I will bring all those gadgets. Will I be using them to photograph any cool new gadgets that you got for the holidays, Scott? I I sadly am like you, where I think I probably had caught up on my gadgets before the holidays, so so nothing new for me. Um, but yeah, the I do think. Um, did you get the keyboard case on your iPad? I've really enjoyed that. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I've enjoyed that. It's been fun. it's my first iPad with a pencil, so that has been. Uh, has been cool. Yeah. Have you lost it yet? Uh, not permanently. I, I, I will concede to have misplaced it, but it, it, uh, reemerged that and AirPods have this weird, like they want to get lost. I think Apple somehow has programmed them to, uh, as a margin enhancer to get lost as quickly as they possibly can. I'm afraid to even talk about that because my, my wife is so much more responsible than me and she's on like her, her like fourth or fifth pair. <laughs> and I, I am still in my originals through some, some like un- uncanny miracle. Cool. Well, as is our tradition here on the Jason and Scott show, uh, every year we kick off the new year with a recap of what happened in the last year. And then we have our predictions. So the predictions are twofold last year, uh, about 365 days ago, we made a bunch of predictions. Uh, I honestly couldn't remember them. So it was kind of fun to go back and look at those. Uh, and just, uh, if folks are super geeky and want to go back, uh, that was episode 112. Uh, and uh, footnote, uh, one of the interns did some math, and that means we did 47 shows last year. So that's 47 hours, roughly, of Jason and Scott. If you if you have a week to burn, uh, if you have mono or something like that that you want to recover from and you need something to put you to sleep for 47 hours, we, we have your cure. Um, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll be breaking the show into three pieces. We're going to do kind of a, um, a good, bad, ugly of 2018. And then we're going to go into recapping our predictions and scoring them. And then from 2018, and then we're going to put out some 2019 predictions. So I think what you'll see from the 2018 predictions is we're actually pretty getting pretty good at this thing after how long have we been at this three, four years now? Uh, I think we're getting pretty good on the prediction game. Uh, That's easier for you to say than it is for me to say this year, but sure. So without further delay, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Jason, what what are a couple of your goods from 2018? 
Yeah. Um, so I was really excited to see some of the new uh, physical store concepts. And um, at the very end of the year, you know, Nike opened that House of Innovation. We talked about that in the last show. That's super exciting to me. I think some of the Amazon concepts like Go and Four Star are, are super interesting. There's a lot of new um, physical marketplace concepts. Like we've had Beta on the show. I've mentioned Showfields before. Uh, and then a lot of these mobile first stores like the Sam's Club now. So I think um, the you know we're really starting to see digital impact physical stores and drive new store concepts, which is awesome. Um, on the platform front, I was excited to see um, Adobe make the big investment in Magento in a uh, uh, an e-commerce platform. Um, in many ways, I feel like the the commercial platform space and the enterprise platform space in particular that I play in is kind of in the worst spot it's been in in 10 years in terms of, um, you know, really meeting the needs of, of retailers and clients. And uh, there's always been this this conflict between CMS systems that people like Adobe make and commerce platforms that people like IBM SAP and Oracle make. Um, and so I, I'm I'm very optimistic that Adobe, who who is dominating the CMS space, then making a significant investment in e-commerce, um, you know, really could be the way forward uh, for for uh, a lot of new new retailers and and commerce entities that need an enterprise class system. And I'll say this with the one caveat: Magento, as it is, is not the solution. Um, but Adobe's willingness to invest in Magento to me is, and and historically Adobe has always been a an aggressive acquirer that acquired a bunch of stuff, and um, you know it often takes them several years to really integrate the stuff. So I'm not expecting miracles this year per se, but in the long run, feels like Adobe deciding that commerce is an important part of the stack is super exciting. Um, and then my my last good for the year. Uh, is uh, kind of specific. It was uh, Walmart's investment in Flipkart. Um, and the reason I think that is good, uh, I think it is super smart for for Walmart to f- be uh, aggressively fighting for digital in, in this super important emerging market in India. Um, some things happened late last year that make those investments <laughs> actually look a little softer as, as uh, Indian regulation on, on uh, foreign commerce has, has uh, gotten more challenging. Uh, but the reason I just think it's good overall is I, I feel like that investment, that huge investment in digital for Walmart, you know, is is the most tangible physical manifestation of Walmart's absolute recognition that digital is the way forward and that they, you know, that they have to compete with the Amazons and Alibabas of the world and can't can't abdicate any of that digital ground. And so seeing them them fight for for that that uh intellectual property, you know, I think is a encouraging sign for all of us in the future. What about you? What were, what were you excited about last year, Scott? Well, uh, I'm always the guy that gets to say it wouldn't be the Jason Scott show without Amazon. And so no surprise there. Uh, my good is crowded out with Amazon. So, so I, I thought it was really interesting that Amazon, uh, you mentioned this a little bit, but they really expanded their store footprint. Um, so they had acquired Whole Foods back in 17, which obviously is a big splash into offline. Uh, and they, they haven't really expanded Whole Foods stores. I think 2018 was a year of kind of you know, digesting that, that acquisition. Um, they've, they've announced now they're going to start opening more here in 2019. So that's going to be interesting to see. But I think the surprise for me and a positive one was 
you know, they had done the go experiment uh, and, but then just kind of really ramping that up pretty quickly. You know, I think they built another four or five. They've got many more on the way. There's rumors of hundreds. Uh, then, you know, I think they surprised us all with four star. Uh, they've even added more bookstores. Uh, and then, you know, the one thing, you know, as I travel around, uh, not nearly as much as you, but you know, going to various malls and things, uh, I would say pretty much every A mall in the U.S. seems to have an Amazon pop-up store. And, you know, think about all those people. I, I don't know how many of that is. Uh, it's kind of funny. There's real no data I've ever seen out there of how many of these are out there. Um, but I think if we looked at, you know, class A malls, I, I think there'd be three or 400 of them. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was three or 400 pretty substantial Amazon pop-ups out there. So, so I think that's pretty interesting and, and really is a testament to, to Amazon, you know, expanding into kind of the omni-channel world and getting their products in front of more people. Um, the other one, so that's kind of the front end of Amazon. The back end of Amazon uh, that was really interesting this year uh, was what I would call just a, a frenetic expansion of delivery capabilities. Uh, some of this is last mile. So they uh, acquired 20,000 of these Mercedes Sprinter vans. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if any listener, at least in the United States, hasn't seen one of these. I see two a day at this point uh, in my area. Uh, and they built this 1099 network in a very clever way, kind of taking a page out of FedEx Grounds playbook, uh, where they would actually kind of put you into business, guarantee you revenue and routes, and then boom, you're off and running. So I think they get those 20,000 sprinters out there delivering packages in something like six months, which is <laughs> which is pretty crazy. They've added a lot of software capabilities. So if you're a third party now, you can use Amazon software in your fulfillment center and almost be like a little extension of FBA. Um, with Whole Foods, we saw them kind of ditch Instacart and then layer in their their 1099, other 1099 network called Flex for that. Um, they've added a ton more jets. They've got two more air hubs coming. Uh, and I, I, I track their distribution centers pretty closely. Um, so in the US, they in 2018, they added 46 more fulfillment center uh, assets, uh, and then another 23 in the rest of the world for a total of about 70. Uh, and all in, that's an additional 11 million square feet of space that came online in 2018. Uh, and then that adds to the existing 850 or so globally and 250 million square feet. So, so, so a lot of people that I always talk to that, that maybe not in the industry, but on the cusp, they're always surprised. I'll say, well, how many, how many fulfillment centers do you think Amazon has versus Walmart? And they'd say, oh, I bet they both have 10. Um, and the number I think is about right with Walmart, but Amazon has, you know, just a tremendous amount of assets they've built. So if, if all this delivery stuff matters, uh, it's, it, you know, Amazon is so far ahead of anyone. And it's going to be interesting to see there. Uh, my last surprise was the economy. You know, I think the economy did really well last year. Um, even uh, the last report of, of December on the jobs side uh, was really, really strong. So, so we're, we're seeing a strong economy, uh, you know, as the fed, uh, kind of uh, uh, tightens interest rates. You're not seeing it in the stock market. There's a lot of shakiness there, but I think the underlying economy, you know, in 2018 was really strong. And then uh, let's pivot into the bad. I'll, I'll start those. Uh, so I think the bad was, I was a little surprised about how kind of negative the Amazon HQ2 process turned out. Um, it kind of ended in a, in a thud, you know, it wasn't like this kind of, I guess, unless you were one of the two cities, I think they're, pretty excited. But even then, you know, I've, there's a lot of protesting going on in the DC and New York area that Amazon's coming and that they got these really big incentives. So, you know, I think, uh, I think that's going to be interesting to watch and see what happens as Amazon is so large now. 
uh, that they can't just fly under the radar. Uh, and I think they managed the back end of that process kind of weirdly, uh, where it seemed like to everyone they had already pre-decided. And then, and then you know, it's easy to kind of paint a conspiracy theory, if you believe that, that they were just gathering data from people. Um, what I'm concerned about a little bit, and you and I emailed about this just recently, uh, I kind of put it in the bad category, and this is holiday 2018. Um, so uh, Adobe came out uh, just a couple of days ago with their final report, and they said the holiday came in at 14%. Uh, that's e-commerce. So a uh, little, that'd be disappointing if that's true. Uh, and then you sent me some data that showed MasterCard said all in 5.1. I would guess uh, you know this better than I do. I think the NRF was right around there. Is that right? Would that be kind of a, a, a top, you know, a, a win or a, a loss in your book? Yeah. So for all of retail, that's, that, that's probably a win. Um, it's a little better than the, the recent historical averages. Um, but I, I think the, the, those averages hide the fact that, you know, it, it just was not equal for, for all retailers. And, um, and so I, I definitely think there are winners and losers. Yeah. And unfortunately I don't think we'll know until Amazon reports They're they're kind of the bellwether I look at and, you know, um, we're in this period where they would have pre-announced if they had missed. So they haven't said anything. Uh, unfortunately Apple did pre-announce looked like they had a really rough calendar Q4. I believe it's their, their, their fiscal Q1, uh, which is always confusing when companies do it that way. Uh, but um, you know, that seemed to be isolated to China with some of the tariffs and things in the Chinese economy that, that I don't think will, Amazon has as much exposure to. So it's going to be really, really, inter- really interesting to see where holiday 18 ends up. And I think we'll know, and we'll cover it on the show as we always do. Uh, I think we'll know by that first week in February how every, all, the, all the leaves fell and, and what happened. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing how that all plays out. Um, so some of uh, my bads, uh, one that you know didn't get a ton of buzz last year, but I've uh, been pretty disappointed in the outcome of the Supreme Court ruling regarding uh, internet sales tax. And so you know, the, uh, basically, the Supreme Court rule uh, made a ruling in favor of uh, a state that was uh, suing to collect sales tax on on internet sales. Um, and, and honestly, like I'm okay with, uh, people having to pay sales tax for all their online purchases. I'm, I'm, I actually think in general, there ought to be universal pricing and, and, you know, if you buy from the same retailer online or in a store, you ought to see the same price and, and that sale ought to be taxed in a similar way. Um, the reason I say that the ruling was bad is, uh, because a bunch of the ramifications of the way this particular ruling plays out, it just creates a lot of uncertainty and friction in the e-commerce space. And so um, which states you actually need to collect sales tax in, which tax, t- tax you definitively don't need to collect sales tax in, and which states you may or may not get sued by a state if you don't collect sales tax in right now is kind of thrown up in the air and it, it creates a lot of uh, inconsistency and just a lot of uh, uh, sort of effort and friction that isn't helping anyone. And so uh, I feel like there was a opportunity for, for Congress to solve this problem before dumping it in the lap of the Supreme court. And uh, uh, you know, maybe that was overly optimistic, so it didn't happen. And so we're going to have to let this play out for now a number of years and um, just slightly unfortunate uh, the other sort of bad one to me this year is, uh, we had some kind of ugly CEO exit. So, you know, we've probably forgotten about it this far in, but, but we had, uh, 
you know, the very ugly exit at Lululemon. Um, early in the year, I want to say February, he was he was the CEO and chairman and got kind of forced out. And he's now been a um, in in irritant for them on an ongoing basis. Uh, you know, uh, Mickey Drexler was lasted less than a year at J Crew, and you know, maybe not CEO level, but you know, a huge uh, executive churn uh, for some bad reasons at Nike. Um, and so, you know, that certainly to me is one of the, the, the bad blemishes on, uh, on 2018 from a commerce perspective. Um, and then my, my ugly, if we pivot to the, the really bad stuff for 2018, uh, I just think it, well, I mean, you're always going to have churn in, in retail stores. You're always going to have bankruptcies. Doug McMillan famously carries around this list of the top 10, 10 retailers, um, from like 1980 and you know, there aren't a lot of those names that are, that are still in business today. Uh, so bankruptcies aren't a shock, but I feel like 2018 hits us particularly hard with Toys R Us and Sears. And then, you know, below them, you had all these other guys, David's Bridal, Mattress Firm, Brookstone, Nine West, Claire's, Gymboree, Bonton, uh, et cetera. And so, uh, you know, as a, a lover of commerce and retail, I'm sorry to see some of those storied brands, um, you know, go away or get greatly diminished. Um, so that certainly felt ugly. Uh, and then right towards the end of the year, um, we had uh, IBM sell their big enterprise e-commerce platform, uh, Webster Commerce, uh, to a service provider, HCL. Um, and that, to me, uh, is a probably super ugly for IBM clients um, that are relying on that platform and, uh, you know, now it's fragmented from the rest of the IBM stack and there's going to be a bunch of challenges there. There's a bunch of clients that own the, or, or just moving to the the cloud version of WebSphere Commerce, which they didn't sell. So that seems ugly. I just feel like uh, the, the enterprise commerce platform space in general is in a bad space and it's most manifested by, by IBM, which was, you know, one of the top three platforms or arguably the top platform uh, getting kind of dumped by IBM this year. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to uh, plus one or as my kids would say, retweet on the bankruptcies. Uh, that TRU one was painful, you know, as a, as a kid that grew up uh, and uh, a Star Wars fan. I've spent many a midnight madness or, uh, you know, a, a Jedi Friday or whatever they call them uh, hanging out in TRUs. So, that, that was disappointing. And, and then, you know, to add insult to injury, one of the shopping centers we go to a lot had a combined TRU babies are us, like a huge one. And it's just sitting there empty for the last, last three or four months. It's kind of sad. Um, you know, I, I would, I would kind of say, you know, in this topic of Mulligan, uh, the, I saw an interesting stat here that came out towards the end of the year. Um, you know, I mentioned the economy did pretty well, but malls were their emptiest in six years from a tenancy standpoint. Uh, we know foot traffic is also down at malls. Uh, so this company, Reese REIS, uh, had a report and it said that they're at an 8.6% vacancy. Uh, again, that's the highest it's been in six years. Uh, and that represents 4 million square foot it is the most available square footage in malls. Uh, and then strip malls have been hit particularly bad because, you know, I think Toys R Us is, is really kind of one of those strip mall type stores that, that was an anchor for a lot of strip malls. And, and as we see in the enclosed malls, once you lose some of these anchors, you get up into this death spiral kind of a situation. So uh, I would also echo that on the ugly side. 
Cool. So, so that was kind of the, what we saw in 2018. Uh, let's pivot to our predictions and, and see if how, how clairvoyant we were on calling those. So I went back to good old episode 112 and surface the predictions. Uh, I'll go through mine and then you go through yours and then we'll kind of see how we did. Uh, so very quickly, I had five predictions and a bonus. So number one, Mulligan 2.0. Uh, in 2017, we saw 7,000 stores close, and I said it's going to accelerate into 2018 uh, and end up with 9,000 closures. Then my second prediction was that Amazon will not buy another retailer. Uh, this doesn't seem uh, – people may think, well, why would you say that? It's kind of obvious. But back then, we were on the heels of the Whole Foods acquisition, uh, and a lot of the Wall Street analysts were like issuing these reports, you know. Costco's definitely going to be the next company. No, it's Nordstrom's. No, it's Target. Um, so that's that was kind of the backdrop to that prediction to really say, hmm, I think these guys are off base. I just don't think Amazon's going to do anything big again uh, in 2018. Uh, and the corollary to that was that they would, instead of doing that, they would triple down on private label. Uh, third prediction, uh, I re-upped my prediction on Amazon Logistics that they would be competing more squarely with FedEx and UPS. Uh, and then number four, uh, and this is a, this one turned out to be pretty good. Uh, I said Walmart will make a big M&A. Uh, and I said my top candidates were Instacart, Postmates, and eBay. So kind of playing on Marketplace and Last Mile there. Uh, number five, I said somebody would acquire Magento or they would go public. Uh, and then my bonus was that Amazon would come out with Alexa-powered earbuds. Um, so uh, we mentioned AirPods at the top of the show. I love my AirPods, but I am not a huge Siri fan. And I uh, every day I wish Alexa would, would hang out on my AirPods instead of Siri. So that was the genesis of that prediction. What were your 2018 predictions? Uh, yep. Yeah. So uh, I also had five and a bonus. Uh, the first one was that grocery would get heavily disrupted by digital I think I'd call out specifically uh, that that would be led by curbside pickup. Um, number two was that drug would get heavily disrupted by digital. Uh, number three, I said the biggest trend we'd be talking about in 2018 uh, was what I called the AI gap, which was kind of uh, the difference between the big players that could take full advantage of AI and the smaller players that couldn't necessarily afford to do it as quickly. Um, prediction four was... Voice, I said, it's going to continue to be uh, huge and grow quickly, but not for commerce. Um, and then uh, my fifth prediction was mobile payments, was uh, digital wallets. I said uh, a bunch of them would die. I said Starbucks, uh, Walmart, and Amazon would continue to thrive, but a bunch of the other ones wouldn't. And uh, uh, as a snarky side note, I mentioned that I expected Bitcoin to tank. Um, and then my bonus uh, was... Uh, Close to the same as yours. I, I uh, said that I thought uh, the, the Amazon would come out with a wearable in 2018. Got it. What did you What did you mean by wearable? Uh, I mean, I uh, anything AirPods, you could wear. Earpods That's... were the most likely scenario, but I just felt like they would find some way to get Alexa on on your body, um, and especially because they lack the phone, um, that seemed like uh, you know, like it could be some kind of widget that you. You clipped your clothing or, or carried with you, but, but, uh, or eyewear or something like that. But I guess my biggest expectation was that it would be ear pods. And we will talk about, uh, the results of that momentarily, but I want to start off by, uh, breaking down how well you did. Um, so now that we've reminded everyone, uh, what we thought 2018 would look like in the very beginning of 2018, let's see how we actually did. So your first prediction, 
was uh, the store mall again. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to, because I put a specific number in there of 9,000, I, I, I missed that one. Um, it turns out uh, I, it took me a while to find this data. Uh, it looks like there were 6,235 closures. Um, you know, if in hindsight, what I should have done, and there's no good data set for this, is looked at the square footage. So, you know, when, um, I don't know, when a mattress firm closes, that's different than a Sears or a JCPenney or a Toys R Us closing, right? Because it's really the square footage we care about. Um, so I would argue, I would I would uh, throw myself at the feet of the judges and say, look, I missed the number of stores. But I think if you look at kind of what did close, and, and here's here's just a quick rundown of, of store closures in 2018. Toys R Us, 735. Walgreens, 600. Ann Taylor Loft Dress Barn, 500. Tivana, 379. Best Buy, 250. Mattress Firm, 200. Gap, 200. Children's Place, 144. Foot Locker, 110. Kmart, 109. Jimboree, 102. Uh, and then the list goes you know, goes from there. Um, another kind of big square footage one, Sam's Club, 63. You know, that's uh, how big is a Sam's Club? Like 200,000 square feet? I would imagine uh, so that's 100 at least, but yeah, 100. Yeah. So there's, you know, so, so I, I think um, if we looked at square footage, I bet, uh, and I don't have a source for this, unfortunately, I would bet the, there was way more square footage in 2018 than 2017. So, so, you know, um, who knows if you want to hold it to the letter of law, I missed that one. Yeah. I'm actually giving you that one because I, I would uh, point out like all the sources we do have that track store closures, none of them claim or try to be comprehensive. So they're, they're tracking stores in a particular category or that meet a particular criteria and saying they close that many. But none of them, for example, are trying to keep track of, of potentially how many mom and pops closed or, or those sorts of things. And even there are a couple of sources of, of square footage. And you're right, the square footage is more dramatic because um, we had closures of a lot of big stores. But even the square footage tend to be like people that are tracking mall based square footage and what the closures are. So I just, I don't think there is a definitive number, but I think the spirit of your prediction came to pass. And I think it was the, the biggest um, shrinkage of, of uh, store uh, stores uh, in, in uh, recent memory. Cool. Boom. So we'll, we'll call that one in the Scott column. Uh. For sure. So your second prediction, Amazon will not buy another offline retailer. Um, and you said they'd triple down on private label. Uh, so a pretty wimpy anti-prediction, but uh, but I actually, um, <laughs> I liked it. So how do, how do you think you did? <laughs> Anti-predictions are the hardest one because think of all the companies they could have acquired. See, there's it's actually harder to predict what something won't, won't do. Uh, so obviously they didn't make another big acquisition of an offline retailer. Um, and, uh, you know, the triple down on private label, I, I think, uh, maybe they even quadrupled down. It, it's hard to get data on this. L2 does a good job. And then we've had, uh, some other data folks, uh, 1010, if I'm saying that right on the show. Um, and, you know, I think if you, if you track our conversations on the show over those 47 episodes, uh, in the second half of 18, we were spending a lot of time talking about Amazon third party because it's probably the number one thing on retailers and brands' minds. Uh, you know, so 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 I, I would call this uh, definitely something that happened there. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm uh, annoyingly totally giving it to you. Uh, so two for two so far. Um, your third prediction, uh, which I, I feel like is your annual prediction. Um, is the uh, Amazon logistics. Yeah. And um, 
This one's kind of squishy, so I'm going to kind of say this was a zero. So so in my mind, we won't cross this one until I can ship a product on Amazon like I would FedEx um, from point A to point B. Um, so uh, I think it's become insanely clear to everyone that this is what they're building now. Um, so, so, you know, it used to be people would really scoff at this one, but I think everyone is kind of agreeing with it. Uh, in fact, if you if you uh, uh, go look at the FedEx stock chart, um, and you'll see they've had a number of issues with the tariffs didn't help them and whatnot. Uh, but if you listen to their conference call, uh, their CEO and founder Fred Smith, uh, you know, got a little agitated by kind of the fifth or sixth Amazon question that he got. So uh, I think it's become pretty apparent to everyone what Amazon's doing here, and the the ball is no longer hidden. The cards are on the table. And who knows, uh, maybe 2019 will be that year when we can ship a product coast to coast for $3 on Amazon shipping. Yeah, uh, for sure. So I, I'm sort of with you. I feel like they made a lot of progress in that direction. Uh, seems like you need to be something that'll happen, but but uh, you don't get full credit for this year. So uh, if only because I need to keep the predictions competitive. Um so uh, <laughs> your fourth prediction uh, was that Amazon's ad group would get so large that they uh, would have to break out their their revenue separately and that people would be totally shocked um, how how big they got so quickly. Yeah. And um, so I think this is a win. They they didn't have to break it out like they do AWS, where it's like it's separate um, kind of reporting P&L. Um, but they have had to break it out uh, because it, uh, it has gotten so large. They created this. They uh, When they announced fourth quarter last year, they said going forward, they would change the way they reported stuff. Uh, unfortunately, they stopped reporting a lot of my favorite stuff, which was kind of sad. So they used to have this interesting breakdown between EGM and some things that have gone away now. Uh, but when they did that, they did start to break out uh, a category called other. And everyone knows that that's like 99% ads. So, uh, and uh, it has gotten quite large. So um, you'll hear me talk a little bit more about that in 2019 predictions. Yeah. And, you know, even though you're bad at writing predictions and you put that highly specific thing in there that didn't happen, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm totally giving this one to you. Like for people that haven't lived through the industry in the last year, people were not talking about Amazon's ad revenue in January of last year. Um, and, you know, even like the Scott Galloway's of the world that like make a living uh, making predictions and then, you know, reminding everyone when they're right. Uh, he wrote a book that, you know, Amazon was one fourth of the book and he barely mentioned um, advertising in that book in like July. And so for you back in January to have said, hey, there's ads is going to be this big thing and everyone's going to be shocked uh, when they find out how big it was. Um, and then, you know, last June and then again in uh, October when they, uh, uh, you know, showed how fast that was growing and everyone was exactly talking about that. I feel like you you basically put the words right in everyone's mouth. So I, I'm totally giving you credit for that, but you still only get one point for it. So uh, so you're three of four uh, running into to your fifth prediction, um, which was that, annoying, uh, Walmart will make a big M&A, and uh, you you mentioned some some uh, uh, last-mile candidates. And yeah, tell I, folks I, how you did, Scott. <laughs> well, I'll give you 16 billion reasons why I got this one. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Walmart acquired Flipkart. Uh, it was not one of the ones I predicted, but you know, I probably should have. So, uh, it was, you know, my, my setup on this one, uh, going back then was 
I just felt like Walmart had all this pressure, you know, that they had to get in the game with, with Amazon more. And I was thinking, you know, last mile, but it totally makes sense on the international side as well. So, uh, so that was, uh, clearly, a, a good call to kind of read the tea leaves on that one. Yeah, that was totally good. And then annoyingly, even though there were only supposed to be five predictions, you did a sixth prediction and, uh, you know, particularly annoyingly for me, cause I, I'm, I have this one-sided rivalry where I'm trying to compete with you. Uh, I believe your sixth prediction was that Adobe would acquire Magento for $1.6 billion. <laughs> it wasn't that specific, but uh, it was that someone would acquire Magento or they would go public. So, so there, you know, um, so having been on the other side of this, when, when you get to a certain scale as a startup, uh, and then Magento had gone through some complicated things, but they're effectively a startup again, right? They were an independent entity. Um, they had a private equity owner, which is like a large venture capitalist. Um, the clock starts ticking was what I was thinking. And what that clock means is that investor wants their money back. And these private equity guys, VCs want a 10-year horizon, private equity is like two or three. So, so that was kind of feeding into that prediction. And then you know, uh, it's also on the other side, it's um, musical chairs, you know, so some, everyone, every big cloud company is going to want to have a great platform. And it just felt like there was one chair left and, and kind of two cloud companies that wanted to sit in that chair. So, so that's what fed into that. Uh, so uh, happy that I read those tea leaves right as well. Well, congratulations. So recap, uh, five out of six, right. And then, uh, you did do the bonus one, um, and that was that Amazon would have an Air, AirPod-like headphone thing. And uh, how, what, do, what do you want to say about that, Scott? Uh, so my strategy here is it's easy to call this one a win because you had the same one, so you're probably not going to argue. <laughs> 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 so uh, Amazon specifically didn't, um, didn't release this, but this is actually interesting. My son was looking for some new headphones, so we went to Best Buy, which is sitting next to the derelict Toys R Us I mentioned earlier. And uh, I was surprised. I'm a big – I'm listening. I'm, I'm on the show right now with some QC35s from Bose. And I looked and it said, now featuring Alexa. And I was like, what the heck? Uh, this is awesome. Now Alexa is in the Bose headphones. Then I went over to the Jobber display and it said, now featuring Alexa. Then I went over to like two other kind of, you know, generic style things. And literally as I backed up and looked at the row of headphones, every single pair suddenly uh, had Alexa in it. So what's happened is Amazon has issued an API or some kind of, you know, a capability and they've. They've very uh, strategically worked with a lot of these manufacturers uh, and unbeknownst to me until, you know, literally uh, like January 2nd, when we were burning some Best Buy gift cards, uh, they are, there are a lot of uh, AirPod like technologies and, and, you know, every configuration of headphone you can imagine with Alexa now. And I played with it and it's actually uh, exactly how I'd want it to be. So uh on my gadget wish list is I, I'm hoping that somehow these uh, Bose headphones I have break and that I can get a new pair with Alexa. Or maybe I need to go check and see if I can retro them to have Alexa. Probably not. There's probably some kind of – I'm sure there's some some gizmo that's going to make me buy a new pair. Yeah. Well, I can certainly help you with the accidental breakage problem when I see you in, in New York in a couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, same boat. I, I'm not giving either of us credit for this because Amazon didn't didn't actually come out with an Amazon branded product. But what but did happen, I can't remember the exact date, uh, like August or September, 
Um, they did finally release, uh, exactly as you suggested, an API that made it totally possible for OEMs to build Alexa into the headphones. And you can imagine folks started doing it right then. But then even a bigger deal, one of the big chip manufacturers in November started shipping a new Bluetooth chipset uh, that included that capability and access to that API in the chipset. So um, you, you're already seeing a bunch of announcements. That's before brands had the opportunity to build new products with this new Bluetooth chipset. My expectation is I'm going to show up in Las Vegas tomorrow and there are going to be uh, Bluetooth products with Alexa embedded in them coming out of my ears, literally. Um, so I think we, you know, we may have missed the branding on that one, but uh, uh, the floodgates are about to open up and uh, not one of my predictions, but side note, like uh, I, I think everyone's noticed that AirPods have been Apple's most successful product in the last five years. And now, you know, uh, the the Amazon Alexa family has been the most successful consumer electronic uh, in the last five years. I, I'll be shocked if we don't see Apple, Google and Amazon uh, directly battling it out with smart, smart earbuds this year. Cool. One of the um, one of the many Jason Scott show interns just uh, handed me a note. It looks like I can upgrade my headphones with firmware. So we're going to stop the show right now. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to stop it, but you may not hear Scott anymore because he's going to like drop out of audio. I'm going to be upgrading my firmware while Jason finishes the rest of the show. Uh, speaking of Jason, let's go through your predictions. Uh, so what was my score? So what was it five out of seven? I forget. Seven? I forget what it was. <laughs> I'm giving you five out of six. We're not counting the bonus. Okay. All right. Uh, I think that helps you, but I'm okay with it. Well, but we're also the I mean, it was the same bonus, so... Okay. Uh, so your first one was grocery gets disrupted by digital led by curbside pickup. Uh, listeners will, longtime listeners will know that is your favorite uh, you know, grocery solution. Um, digital grocery doubles in the U.S. At least one delivery firm peters out. Yep. Uh, so I'm calling that a win. Uh, side note, I, I have come to realize that I hate my predictions from last year. And uh, largely because I just wrote them badly, like they're too subjective and, and in many cases, like hard to measure. So I, one of my New Year's resolution is to write better predictions and we'll find out how I did that in very shortly. Um, it's easy to say you hate them in January of 2019. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, but but I do think the sentiment of this one like was uh, wildly true. Uh, Walmart rolled out curbside pickup to 2000 stores. Um, they had over 40% e-commerce growth every quarter this year, um, which is wildly uh, faster than last year. It's faster than Amazon. Kroger uh, did a bunch of their own curbside pickup called ClickList, but a bigger deal, they did an exclusive partnership with Orcado, the biggest digital grocer in the UK. Um, Albertsons uh, made a bunch of big investments. They both announced that they were going to launch the first uh, digital grocery marketplace. And they also announced that they were going to build dedicated micro-fulfillment centers out of the backs of a bunch of the Albertson stores. Um, our friends at Shop Talk launched a dedicated digital grocery show called Grocery Talk, and it sold out with 3,000 attendees in the first year. Um, you know, you go internationally, and the, the Alibaba concept Hema and the JD concept 7 Fresh are going nuts. Um, I think it's, it's uh, safe and fair to say... Uh, digital grocery uh, blew up even even though um, 
you know, I may not have perfectly nailed the specifics. Uh, I, uh, and again, there's no perfect metric, but it does appear that digital grocery more than doubled in the U.S. Which uh, delivery firm petered up? Yeah, that's the part where I... <laughs> Um, and again, it sort of depends on how you count, right? Like you could argue that like one that got acquired, like, uh, shipped, for example, um, like, Oh, they've like tripled, uh, not with any retailer besides target. They have not. Uh, and I, I think our, our, uh, I mean, you know, there's, there's some that are on the ropes a little bit, but yeah, that was a dumb part of the prediction. Okay. So you can, uh, you're going to crush me anyway. So don't, you don't need to hold my feet to the fire on this one. <laughs> So when writing predictions, don't don't like uh, daisy chain ands together because with specifics, more opportunities yeah. to blow up. Yeah, not smart. So plus one okay. is the is the I'm one for one right now. Okay, the judges Feel free to stop listening up. to the show now. <laughs> okay, because we're gonna flip your ands to an or and give you one there. All right, uh, your second prediction was uh, drugs get disrupted by digital. Yeah. And uh, I mean, a few things did happen that are interesting. Amazon uh, invested a billion dollars in PillPack. They launched their first over-the-counter brand, uh, Basic Care. Um, they partnered to do the like uh, at-home medical devices under the Choice brand. Um, all inter- and, and of course, there's this big joint healthcare venture between Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and, and J.P. Morgan. Um, but uh to me, none of that adds up to true disruption yet. And I, I mean, I, I think there's some, some it's in, there are a lot of interesting tea leaves to read this year, uh, but I, I'm not going to argue that I should get a point there. Okay. So one for two. All right. And then uh, your third prediction was the biggest trend of 2018 will be the AI gap. Yeah. So once again, a stupid prediction. How do you argue something is or isn't the biggest trend? Uh, but I think it's safe to say this wasn't. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of miss this one. Like, you know, I, I do think uh, AI was one of the hyped things that got a lot of uh, chatter in 2018. Um, and there was one IPO that you could argue was sort of AI commerce, which was Stitch Fix. Um, but realistically, like, I think I don't think we saw AI dramatically transform any uh retailers and so my my way more specific prediction that that the it would open a gap between the big retailers and the little retailers i I just don't think it's fair to say that that happened so that was that was a dumb prediction and i'm i'm now one for three okay uh let's say how you did on number four uh you said voice is going to be huge but not for commerce yeah so uh uh, again, uh, based on my fragile ego, I feel like this one is climbing out of the hole a little bit. Um, I do think uh, voice was huge. I think uh, Amazon alone has said they sold over uh, 100 million devices now. Um, it's their best-selling device on all their big days. Uh, the there's some uh, By some metrics, Google is actually... Uh, selling more devices in the last couple quarters than Amazon. I'm not sure I totally believe that, but, but I do believe they're selling a bunch of devices as well. Um, and so for sure voice overall, uh, was huge. And I think even more clearly voice commerce was not, um, there was some, some, uh, data that came out in the third quarter that said that less than 2% of people that own smart speakers had ever tried to do commerce with it. Um, you know, I feel like the only, 
only even moderate volume uh, commerce type applications were things like uh, Starbucks and Uber. Uh, For sure, people were not ordering things with complicated attributes and and promo codes uh, via their their voice devices. So, um, uh, again, I'm going to take the win there, which would uh, put me at two for four. Does that 100 million devices surprise you? It it uh no because i mean a, they have some very low cost devices and we haven't talked about it on this show i don't think but they now even have like a i mean you you can frequently get devices free in, as part of bundles but they now have like a 19 dollar device that you can plug into any speaker um and so they they just have all the price points and they're you know they're as you highlighted they're a huge advertising platform they're one of the biggest biggest media platforms on the on the planet and they generally dedicate about half of all their pixels to selling this stuff. So, uh, I, I mean, I, today I am not shocked. They've sold that many devices. If you, if you asked me, you know, three years ago when they started this stuff, if they would get there this fast, I probably would have said I was shocked. So, so just like for listeners, one, one way I think about this is, is probably 80% domestic, 20% international. I don't think they push the Alexa stuff as hard international. So then, so if we call it 80 million US, let, I, I didn't, in that, in that article, it's total 100 million, right? It's global, I think. Yeah, um, I think that was a global yeah. number. Yeah, okay. So let's say 80 million in the US. There's 350 people-ish in the US, uh, 250 households, 200 million households. Yeah, we'll so we'll just about, yeah if, if, let's just kind of round numbers. 200 million households, 80 million devices. There's going to be some, you know, you know, like your house that has 30 devices, but that's like way on this edge scenario. So, you know, call it uh, approaching half the U.S. households have an Alexa device. That, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. And but it, I feel like it is part of this phenomenon. Like there are lots of devices that get to that that 50 percent market share eventually. And it it depending on the technology, it took them a long time. But I do think one of the ramifications of the like modern digital era is that all of this happens much faster. So, you know, it like adoption of new things just happens much more quickly than it did in the era of radio or TV. And so, you know, smart speakers kind of, you know, followed a similar trajectory to a lot of those other media technologies. They, they just did it in a way compressed time frame. God, I wish I could give you a two on this one, but it's been our custom to just give one point prediction. So sorry. Yeah, no, totally, totally fair. Um, <laughs> then you're, 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 you're like, can we get finished with this part of the show? <laughs> I'm trying to drag it on. All right. Uh, the fifth prediction, uh, payments. Uh, so you said retail digital wallets will die and Bitcoin tanks. So you did an and in there. Yeah. Um, so like you've already mocked me for my poor Boolean logic. Um, but, uh, and again, stupidly written, like I called out some specific digital wallets that were the exceptions and those exceptions largely did really well. Starbucks did very well. Um, there's some evidence that Walmart did well. Amazon, you know, is continuing to thrive as a digital wallet. Um, I didn't spell out the digital wallets that wouldn't do well. Um, but in my mind, there were two families of those. There's Apple and Google, which like all indications are, are pretty flat. So there are people using them and liking them, but it, but it does not appear that they're growing particularly fast. And it doesn't appear that they're getting as much reuse as, I'm sure they would hope. So, so our friends over at uh, Payments that that uh, 
tracked this, like have, have kind of found Apple and Google to be flat. Um, and then there was this whole genre of digital wallets from financial institutions. So specific banks like Chase and Citibank and the card issuers like MasterCard and Visa. And, uh, you know, none, none of those digital wallets are used by anyone that's not a family member of the company. So um, I do feel like that that is fair. And then stupidly put an and in there. Uh, for Bitcoin that had nothing to do with digital wallets. So I have no idea why I did that. Um, but that is arguably my best prediction of the entire thing because I think Bitcoin was at $16,000 uh, a coin in, in, uh, at the beginning of January of that year when I made the prediction. And today it's at about three thirty six hundred bucks. So it's basically a quarter of its its former value. So if you if you wanted to invest in any prediction in this entire um, in, in, in last year's entire show, the most money you could have made was to take my advice and short Bitcoin. Unless you were a Magento investor <laughs> or a flip cart. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then finally you said Amazon would come out with a wearable. And I think you have, uh, already dismissed that one. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you already covered that one. So, so I think, uh, you add all that up. I'm, I'm three out of five, you're four out of five, but with a, like uh, much richer, more impressive for. Cool. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate the the kudos there. I think you did a good job, but hopefully you learned some, some important lessons about writing your predictions. Let's, let's jump into that. Uh, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, I want to go first. Cause I want to give mine out of there before you jump in and in case we have any that overlap. All right, you go first. All right. So my first prediction is that Eddie Lampert is not going to launch a space exploration company. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, that's all right. So cheating. Um, just making fun of your negative predictions. Uh, but I, I do like that one. If anyone wants to keep it as my bonus. Uh, my first one, again, I'm trying to have more measurable objective things. Uh, I think continuing the the evolution of Amazon's brick and mortar, I think Amazon is going to have uh, more than a thousand brick and mortar stores uh, by the end of this year. And so combination of goes whole foods um potentially some uh some other uh ex- expansion of bookstore concepts um but a thousand stores is a very meaningful brick and mortar retailer so if you go to like the the nrf top list of retailers um and you sort it by number of stores uh a thousand stores makes you about the the 67th um, largest retailer in, in the U.S. by number of stores. Um, and so in addition to all the other areas where Amazon's excelling and, and dominating, I feel like hitting that thousand store threshold like definitely makes you a hugely credible brick-and-mortar retailer, and I think they're going to get there this year. Cool. Do you want to throw an and in there about? And Eddie Lampert is not going to launch a space exploration company. Okay. All right. All right. We'll, we'll jot that in here. Yeah. Um, so then my new strategy is just to take your predictions that didn't happen from the year before and double down on them. Um, so you, uh, last year said Walmart was going to make a big acquisition and you highlighted some of the last mile companies and you, you got credit for them making the big acquisition, but it wasn't a last mile company. I think they're going to fulfill the other half of your prediction this year and actually buy a last mile company. Um, and, uh, that's potentially, potentially, Instacart, Postmates, um, TaskRabbit, but uh, uh, I also think something like a, a Delive um, would would uh, totally totally fit in there. So I'm 
I'm sure we'll see Walmart both organically grow and acquire uh, a more last mile capability this year. Okay, cool. Number three. Number three, uh, I am sad to say, based on our previous conversations, but I, I think we are going to see another big, beloved brand uh, go bankrupt this year. Um, so uh, I actually think in many ways, I do, I totally agree with you. I think that it was an unexpectedly good economy this year. Um, I am not as confident that we're going to sustain that for all of 2019. And there are, you know, and again, I think that the the booming economy hasn't been uh, equally uh, generous to all retailers. So I do think there's some retailers that have had a tough going. And I think as belts get tightened a little bit, um, that potentially will be the last the last draw. So, you know, I certainly think the, the department stores, um, you know, is a vulnerable category, you know, like JC Penney certainly is vulnerable. I think any of the category killers that used to win based on assortment, you know, aren't, aren't winning on assortment anymore due to online. So, you know, that could be one of the, the office products companies or Bed Bath and Beyond or some of those guys. Um, and you know, uh, when we talk about department stores, uh, you know, one super story brand in the U.S. that I, I think is you know has a bunch of money, uh, a bunch of uh, debt due in 2019, and seem to be having some some substantial disagreements with their creditors at the moment is Neiman Marcus. So I would I'd be sad to see them go, but you know it seems like like they're gonna have to uh, do pretty well to to forestall all that. So uh, I'm afraid we'll see another another big bankruptcy this year. How many Neemans are there? Are they only like in four big cities? Or uh, yeah. So it's not a huge footprint. I want to say it's 40 stores um, and they own a couple other concepts as well. Okay. Um, but yeah. All right. Uh, prediction number four. Uh, I feel like I might've made a similar version of this before, but uh, um, I'm bringing it back. Um, so mobile, uh, the mobile gap getting narrower is my, is my official prediction. And I think aided by, uh, progressive web apps and payment a- APIs, um, we are going to see mobile really catch up to desktop in terms of conversion rate and and uh, also total sales. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll say my very specific prediction is that we have more mobile commerce than desktop commerce in if you take out tablets in uh, 2019. Okay. And then uh, last but not least... Yeah, I'm just, I'm uh, taking your negative predictions to the extreme, and I'm just saying there's a bunch of fads uh, that I don't think will will be significant in in uh, 2019. Um, the uh, first one, I'll just take the same one that worked last year. Voice commerce is still going to be hyped this year and still going to be a fad. Um, I actually don't think there's going to be a ton of like customer facing AI experiences or, or frankly, even way better personalization uh, experiences in 2019. Um, I think we'll, we'll see more, more chatter around social commerce, but it's still not going to catch on. I don't think we're going to see any meaningful traction in, in uh, VR for commerce. Um, and I certainly don't think blockchain is going to be a, a very important element for most of commerce. So um, the, you know, those are ones you, you, all of those technologies are ones you hear people talk about a lot and, uh, uh, like I frequently am handed rough drafts of retail trends decks with all these things in them. And I, I just don't think any of them are going to be very significant. Okay. Any, any bonuses you want to throw in there? Uh, I do. Um, the, 
you you talked about Amazon being forced to break out their ad revenue. I actually think uh, that they're going to get forced to break out the revenue related to Prime membership. Um, and I hope that happens because I think it would be super interesting to see what percentage of of their their uh, sales come from Prime and and uh, you know total total Prime revenue and those sorts of things would be fascinating to know. Yep. Do you, do you include kind of like a whole PNL there, or just really? Prime revenue and sales around Prime. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't know how specific I want to get on bonus. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I for official purposes I won't say P and L, but I uh, I Off hope the they have to get as granular as uh, using uh, Prime members as a segment for for reporting revenue. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So that's what I got. Uh, hopefully, it's better than last year. Hopefully, I'm I'm not uh, uh, getting. Uh, Hopefully, I'm enjoying next year's version of the show more than I did this year's. But I'm, we're finally to the part that I'm really looking forward to, which is what Nostradamus thinks is going to happen for next year. So, Scott, uh, what do we got? Yeah, it's always hard to follow up on a set of pretty good predictions. Uh, and I feel like last year, the the chessboard was more clearly laid out for me than it is this year. And and the uh, the tilt to the board is really hard. So, you know, we're coming off a year where the economy was smoking, wages are going up. Um, but then we have a lot of changes in the political scene. There's lots of talk of impeachment. There's like all kinds of craziness. The government's closed as we record this. Um, so it's really hard to know which way the economy is going. Um, but, uh, you know, whenever I'm on kind of the fence on these things, I tend to be an optimist. So uh, I think it's my entrepreneurial blood. So I'm going to lean towards the positive side of things. I think, you know, hopefully we navigate through all that and we have another kind of um, tailwind of a good economy in 2019 as an industry, which I think we, we all agree would be good. Um, so my first prediction. Uh, so uh, following on that optimistic uh, thing, my first one's kind of negative. So uh, like you, I agree. We haven't seen you know, the, the, the end of this kind of, I think it's a dominoes that are falling. And I don't think a lot of people have even kind of put that together yet. Uh, so like you, we've seen Sears file chapter 11. I don't think many stores come out of that. I think we're down to a handful of Sears. That's going to put pressure on malls. I think that puts more pressure on JC Penney. Uh, I think uh, if you look, their stock's already down from four to a dollar. Uh, you know, they're, they're heading into a delisting scenario below a dollar. Uh, I don't know what's going on with their creditors, but all these old school guys have leveraged up. So you get into this death spiral. It sure does feel like JCPenney's stuck into that death spiral. Uh, they have 860 stores. Um, you know, Macy's is, I think Macy's is doing really well um, today. But once you get stuck into this kind of swirling drain of mall-based retail, uh, it's really hard to get out of there. And, and I do worry that they kind of, they're a domino that falls in there. Uh, they've already closed some stores to trim their footprint and there's 660 more. So uh, I don't think they would do bankruptcy or anything, but I think they may have to sell some of those stores or close them. So so I'm going to say uh, at least 5,000 more stores. And if we could ever find the square footage, I, I think it'll be about as bad as 2019. Um, you know, So I think uh, 2017 to 18 was a huge step up. Eight, uh, 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 16 to 17 and 17 to 18 were big steps up. I think we'll go sideways, uh, which is still going to be pretty bad though, because that step up we're at kind of this 5,000 larger stores and whatever the equivalent footprint is that I do believe was larger than 2017. Um, so that's my first prediction. Uh, 
Um, the second one is, uh, you know, your your buddy, uh, Scott Galway, uh, also known as Professor Galway, he is really big on TV telling everyone that the government's going to crack down on Amazon and force them to spin off AWS. He's backed off that a little bit. And now he's talking about, well, maybe they'll have to have a tracking stock. Uh, I'm going to predict, this is one of my uh, anti-predictions, so you can mock me. Uh, I'm going to predict Amazon doesn't do those things, uh, but this will be the year that they, uh, you know, that ads does get broken out. Uh, and I'll be specific here as its own, um, you know, PNL kind of line item that they have to report because um, when I kind of build a little spreadsheet uh, and, and kind of take AMP, the cloud stuff, which is AWS and how I think ads is growing. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, off the record, I think in Q4 ads will probably do as much as the rest of 2018, which is going to blow people's minds, but it makes total sense uh, to me, probably you, because that's what you would do if you were brand. Uh, but anyway, uh, I digress. So, so when I put them in a spreadsheet and track them, I believe it's going to be about the same size as AWS by like 2022 or 2021. And I've seen a couple of Wall Street reports say the same thing. So that is my second prediction. Uh, and just to recap it again, they're going to have to break out. Uh, they won't. Uh, and I put an and in here and tribute to to Jason, <laughs> they're, they're not going to spin or tracking stock AWS, but they will have to break out ads. Um, my third prediction is I think through kind of the companies out there, and I've talked about Amazon and, and some of the ones uh, that are struggling on the mall side, uh, you, you have kind of eBay and Alibaba, and they had kind of like what I would call a punk year in 2018. It was kind of meh, you know, it wasn't a great year, it wasn't a bad year, um, but they both had, they got kind of beat up over the last year. Uh, and these companies both have leaders that they, they want to grow and be aggressive. So, so I think I, f I just kind of feel like something's going to happen there. Um, and when I kind of think about it, I've always thought this would be a perfect kind of combination. So these, these two companies just feel like they belong together to me. So I'm going to call that there's going to be a combination there. Um, number four, uh, and I noticed you didn't really make a platform prediction. Uh, uh, the last platform, that last chair kind of out there is Shopify. Now, all the cloud, and, and fact check me on this, all, all the cloud guys seem to have kind of bet on their platform, right? Uh, and I won't go through them all, but I think listeners kind of know what those look like. So then you may be saying, well, who's left to buy like a Shopify? And then another footnote is Shopify is really expensive asset. So, um, you know, uh, on on his face, it, it's like four or five billion dollars, but uh, it has very small revenue. It's got a huge, super high valuation. So whoever buys this, that really kind of limits the number of companies that have to buy it, and it has to be super strategic to them. So, so my prediction here is you have the ad platforms, and specifically, I'm thinking Google and Facebook, and they're just getting pummeled right now um, on the ad side from data collection and and you know all the things about. Russia hacking and uh, all this, and they're you know in front of Congress just getting beat up. Um, I think if I had 100% of my revenue from ads and I was one of those two companies, I would be willing to spend a very large sum to diversify that revenue base um, because I do think that business model is going to be under uh, external pressures for a while. So, so uh, my other prediction is I think that last seat is taken by either fast. Facebook or Google um, could be an Alibaba or someone. So I'm not going to be super specific there, but I do think Shopify gets taken out this year. Um, and my fifth prediction is kind of an opposite one of you. So we're, we're kind of misaligned on this one. Um, I think Walmart has made a couple, a, a lot of big bets over the last year and uh, it's just really hard to get all those right. So, so spending that much on Flipkart, I think, Amazon's shareholder base isn't Amazon or Walmart's shareholder base isn't Amazon's shareholder base. 
And I think they look at that and they're kind of like scratching their head and thinking, wow, I could have opened a lot more stores. I could have done X, Y, and Z. You could have written a dividend check. So that they have a much different old school investor base uh, than Amazon does. And I think that's going to put pressure on them this year. So, so the prediction is that, that they're going to stumble. So I think their growth rate is going to slow. I think they get a lot of early wins from kind of digitalizing the groceries. Uh, I think a lot of those are one-time pops and they, um, it, they're going to get kind of stuck in that to keep that growth up at that kind of north of what have they said, 30, 40%. They'd have to do some big M and a flip cart has to go right. Uh, You know, there's a lot that has to go right there. And I don't think they're going to have the flexibility to navigate through that. And I I think they're going to have a rough 2019 on the e-commerce side. I I don't want that to happen. So let me be clear. I I don't want that to happen. I just think it's the natural progression of these things. When you you have a year where you put a bunch of bets on the table, you you have another year where not all those bets are going to go well. And surely they, they're probably, you know, braced for that. Uh, I think, you know, it's not going to be, they're not going to go out of business or anything, but it, it's going to be a, a tough year for them. Uh, I think on the e-commerce side. Interesting. Um, well, uh, I think that's a, a terrific sort of uh, spectrum of predictions between the two of us. And that is going to be a perfect place to leave it. And the reason I say that is because we always write these show outlines that we intend to be 30, 45 minutes. And I believe I predicted this show would be, 70 minutes. And right now we're at 67 minutes. So I'm calling it. <laughs> I could be right about one thing. It's how long this show is. Um, but if uh, you are disappointed that we cut it short and you, there was something you wanted to discuss that we didn't get to, or you have any questions about uh, the, the show uh, or ideas for future shows, uh, feel free to keep the dialogue going on Facebook. You can jump on there, uh, pop a question, and we'll be happy to chat with you. As always, uh, we greatly appreciate uh, those five-star reviews on iTunes. That's a wonderful belated Christmas present to Scott or I, so feel free to to jump on there, and um, we would greatly appreciate it. Yep, thanks everyone for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the first show of 2019. Happy New Year, and we look forward to uh, spending 2019 with you talking about what's going on in e-commerce, retail, and the rest of the e-commerce experience. Absolutely, and so until next time, Happy commercing. You've been listening to the Jason and Scott show for all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing. Subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 